from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT here on this broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora that you can hear every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It is my honor and my privilege to be here with you, and I thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Of course, you know that you can't just listen. You can also become a member on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. By becoming a member, you have the opportunity to connect with the show in a very special way. You can chat with me in the live chat room during the broadcast. Only members can do that. And you'll be emailed when the show goes live every day. So you don't even have to move a muscle. All you have to do is open up your email, click to listen, and there you are. So very easy for those of you that become members, so make sure that you do that today on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, a very easy way to get in touch with the show very quickly, very easily, and seamlessly. So thank you to everybody that's done that, and I truly appreciate it. Here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, is my honor and my privilege to have on the show, first and foremost, Nate Bordeaux. Nate Bordeaux, a local product who has been on the Syracuse Silver Knights for a long time, been a part of this franchise. It's now in its seventh season, and I'm very happy to have him here on the show. I'll be joined after Nate is here with me, live with Logan Roberts as well, and then you'll hear from Slav Ubi Parapovich, and later on in the show we'll do Through the Looking Glass like we always do, taking a deeper look at a trending topic. So, first and foremost, let's get the man on the live line, Mr. Nate Bordeaux. Nate, how are you doing today? Dan, I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, recovering a little bit, but uh, how are you? It's good to be back on the show. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing well, and I feel like it's uh, it's been too long. I know that you know, we talk with the Knights, and then we talk with Syracuse FC. Now, let me preface everything by saying that I did not forget that I owe you and you owe me together a celebration dance, and so we got to make that happen. I mean, I I believe that 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 has to be done. I'm a man that lives by my word, so somehow, some way, wherever we can do this thing, whether Knights, FC, doesn't matter to me, I have to do that uh, celebration that I promised you because you scored that goal, so we got to make it happen. Yeah, I didn't forget about that as well. I'm glad um, you're a man of your word. I mean, anytime you want to do it, we can do it during the indoor season. There's a lot more goals with, with indoor soccer or uh, hopefully the next outdoor season as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so and you know, and I've had I've had some time to, to sit back and, and think, but I do like I like the bomb one. I want to throw the soccer ball in the air, let it hit the ground and then bounce backwards. That's I mean that's the one I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling kind of the ticking one and then you fall back. Yeah, I think that's a classic. I don't think you can go wrong with that one for sure. No, that's good stuff. So, I mean, outside of, you know, what you what you had, well, kind of to make that bridge, I want to kind of start there. You have been indoor with the Knights for a long time and been a part of this team and, and have grown into a more prominent role with the organization over time. And then you spent some time outdoor 
with Syracuse FC. What did you take away from going outside from, you know, having, I mean, the Knights opportunity's been here for the last few years. Syracuse FC just finished up their first season this past year. So what did you take away from being able to, to go outdoors in Syracuse and get some more experience that way? I think it's always nice to be able to play year round just because you keep your fitness and you really, you, you stay sharp. Whereas when you kind of have that lull or nothing going on, then you have to work a lot harder on your own. Um, so I think the, the biggest takeaway was the fact that I was playing year round and, and I was staying fit and, and game sharp. So I think that's definitely the biggest takeaway I had from it. When you look back on those moments and look back on that first season you know, what have been your overall thoughts? How did it make you a better player? And, and what, you know, for you, kind of building off of what you said, what were some of the, I mean, hindsight 2020, were you excited and, and happy and, and proud to say that you you tested yourself and put yourself out there? Because, you know, you look at the endurance side of it and the differences that there are there. I mean, there's similarities between indoor and outdoor but there's some differences, and that field is definitely one of them. But it looked like, you know, footwork-wise and taking control when you needed to take control to start off some plays and, and either take it yourself or dish it, you looked comfortable out there. But did you kind of gain that over time, or, you know, was it something that you kind of just had from the beginning as far as conditioning out there? Yeah, I think, I mean, growing up playing outdoor soccer your whole life, that's something you don't really lose. If anything, it's transferring back to indoor and, and remembering certain I mean it's a different game so certain you know uh runs you make is diff- different kind of runs and different movement off the ball and and it's a it's more of a systematical game indoor so I think from I think from that perspective um outdoor is it's just more natural and it comes easier um whereas indoor you have you have to kind of reprogram yourself a little bit but, I mean, like you said, I've been doing it indoor for so long now that it's crazy to think about. But I've, I've been on the team for six years, and I used to be the young guy and the rookie. And now I see younger guys coming in, and, and it's roles reversed a little bit. And when you look at that, speaking here with Nate Bordeaux of the Syracuse Silver Knights, what have you taken away from, from being a part of the Knights for as long as you have? Like you said, you know, outdoor is, is natural, but now indoor has, has kind of become a natural thing for you. It's kind of like you know, you're right-handed and, and you play basketball right-handed and then you train your body to be able to shoot and play left-handed and then before you know it, you feel so comfortable left-handed, you don't remember the days where you didn't use your left hand to play. So how has indoor kind of just become something that has, you know, seeped into your life as, as a normalcy and just, you know, once you're inside, once you're on the field and you're training and whatnot, it's second nature where before you had to train yourself to be that way? Yeah, it's funny you say that um, because as long as I've turned my left, I, I still don't have a good left foot. So um, I don't think that will ever change. But um, in terms of normalcy, I think it just comes over time. Like like I said, playing for six years indoor and, you know, you watch the game a little more because you're you're um, involved in it. So, you you know, you watch tape and you watch film after games and, and in the off season, so you can you can come in sharp but the silver knights have been amazing for me and i've loved every second playing clearly because i'll play until they don't uh until they don't want me to play anymore indoors become a lot of fun for me the first couple years i think it was it was difficult getting used to but then i think i i've started to enjoy it more and more 
And in that enjoyment of, of playing the indoor game with the Syracuse Silver Knights, Nate, I asked this question uh, before with some of the guys, and uh, and Slav and I will talk about it in a little bit here since he's been with the team from the beginning, and you pretty much from that first start. What can you say about if you thought that this team would be here seven years in a row? I mean, if this was something that, that you thought would happen, because, you know, in Syracuse, it's really hard for things to catch on in a stick. You know, the Chiefs up and down, but they've been around for a while, but they've been a part of multiple different MLB franchises. The Syracuse Crunch, same thing. Fans were coming in the past, not necessarily, and they have had a different bunch of different franchises, but they have that connection where they can say to the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Chiefs can say to, you know, could say to the past, could say to the Yankees or the Blue Jays or the Nationals, whatnot, you know, help us out with this or can we work this out? Where in the case of the Silver Knights, this is the professional franchise. There is no sub piece of this. There is no, let's send some guys down there. Let's promote it on our end. I mean, this is, it's a unique bird that has found its way to seven years. And has it surprised you that it's gotten to this point? I think it's a true testament to uh, our owners, Tommy, Doug, uh, Tommy Tanner, Doug Taylor, Pete Raymond, and, and anyone involved, the coaching staff, Ryan Hall, and just everyone who's been involved from, from the first day. It's like you said, they don't have the backing of the other things, and it's pretty much everything's grassroots and, and, and done. Uh, we have to be creative with marketing and things like that. We don't have the budget that you know some of these bigger clubs have, and it's just amazing that they've been able to to sustain it for seven years now. I know um, uh, a lot of the kids I see around town in the off season, and, and parents are always like, "Oh, word on the street is, you know, you guys aren't coming back." And then every year, I just say, I, I just tell, them, I laugh. Now I laugh because I've heard it. I think for six years now, and um, now I just laugh and say, "Don't worry, we'll be back." Because I know Tommy and and the ownership and Pete Raymond have done such a great job with, with making it a sustainable organization. So I'm excited to see where this team goes in the future. Yeah. And, and to, to see that, like you said, you kind of just laugh now when somebody says, are you coming back next year? Are you going to be a part of this next year? You know, do you think that the Knights have, I mean, I feel this way, but I want to know if you feel this way. Do you feel like the Knights have gotten to the point where it's time for people to kind of stop asking if the show is going to be picked up for another season. Huh. I mean, I, I wish, I, I hope, obviously you don't want that to even be a thought in people's minds, but that's what kind of what you get with minor league sports, I, I guess. Um, I think the more we win and the better we do, maybe it'll be less of a thought in people's minds, but um, it's okay for now. I, I just hear it all, all the time because of I'm around Jones Road, uh, CNY Family Sports Center so often. So I get people don't understand how much I'm getting it, but each person that just shows how many fans we actually have and how many of the kids go to the games that I hear that question so often. I guess I'd rather I'd rather hear the question than no one talk about it at all, and then you're kind of um, an afterthought. And when you, when you look at this, though, not being an afterthought in the sense of how things have been going, you know, fan base-wise, how have you seen that grown, Nate? Speaking here with Nate Bordeaux of the Syracuse Silver Knights, how has the fan base, in your opinion, grown and improved over your six years that you've been with the Syracuse Silver Knights? Because the notion now is that, you know, it feels a little bit different. Now, I got to 
commentate and, and be there and, and announce that first game and there was about 4,000 people in there. I've seen the crowds where they've you know gotten close to, to 3,000 people. I've seen those moments where it's been busy and packed and I've seen other moments where you know somebody might walk out and say, oh, there wasn't a ton of people here. But in my opinion, there were some of those nights where there's a thousand people, seventeen hundred people, but they were so loud that I think it was still one of the best crowds that I had been a part of. So I don't know if I've ever been to, and and I'm pretty confident to say that I've never had uh, a time with the Syracuse Silver Knights at a game where I looked around and said, "Wow, this crowd's not in it. They don't care. They're not a part of this." I feel like how whatever the number ends up being at the end of the night, the tenacity and the desire to win and the excitement is there and the entertainment values there. So how have you seen, you know, from your opinion, how have you seen it grow as a player? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, some nights there's, there's a bigger crowd and some nights, you know, maybe due to weather or another sporting event in the area, it, it changes a little bit, but I've noticed over at least my six years of being on a team that it's been pretty, uh, a pretty loyal group of, of fans we've gotten to know and, they're almost they're almost diehards, and to a lot of the guys on the team, they're they're like family. So, I think obviously you want attendance to keep growing and keep growing. But honestly, when 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 we're on the field, uh, it's hard to hear every yeah. game because whether there's three or four thousand people or fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred, like you said, as a player, it all almost sounds the same just because that's how loud they are every time. So I think our fans are great. It's just. As a player, I don't notice it. Maybe I hear it from family or friends after the game, like, oh, the crowd wasn't as big tonight or something like that. But I say, oh, I don't even realize it just because of the atmosphere that the War Memorial creates. So, And to look at, uh, in wrapping up here, Nate, so, you know, to look at in front of that fan base, you will be a whole, a whole lot more often now as the season has progressed. You're going to have an opportunity to be at home more. In these first nine games, you played six of them on the road and and you know being a part of this team in the past that there's been some struggles with the Knights on the road but this time around you guys are getting victories on the road started the season on the road won in overtime last game overtime on the road as well and look at some of those other games like the win over the Harrisburg Heat during the season and, and Florida Tropics winning two of those that you had on the road so to look at the five wins and be five and four Four of those five wins have come on the road and one and three at home, and you'll have the opportunity to be back at home this Friday, January 12th at 7.05 p.m. Eastern time against the Blast. And then after that, after a little bit of a road stint, you're going to have a bunch of home games that are coming up here and plenty of opportunities for fans to see you. So just what you could say about these first nine games that you've taken away from and and what you could say about the team improving on the road and, and the excitement of being at home. So kind of a multi-part question but just what you're taking away so far yeah i i honestly i really like the team this year it's i think we have very good chemistry maybe the best chemistry i've seen top to bottom that we've had in my entire time um with the team it's it's a smaller group we uh i don't think we have as many players but i think you know we've had we've had one of the toughest schedules in the league so far we've played san diego who's number one in the league we've played baltimore we've played three or four di- four divisional games and we've we've fared well um and i think the first couple games we've had some new players and we were learning rotations and and where to be and, and some guys were still learning the game but you can you can see that we've we've come together and 
I think things are really starting to click now with this group. We, we've won, I think, our last three in a row. And uh, I like how we look going into the game tomorrow against Baltimore. And I, this team, I, I see a lot of pro- lot more promise in this team than, than years in the past. So I think there's a lot, a lot to be excited about. That coming from Nate Bordeaux of the Syracuse Silver Knights. A lot to be excited about as the team progresses forward. You know what to do, folks. Go to SyracuseSilverKnights.com. Get your tickets. Make it happen. Be a part of the history of the Syracuse Silver Knights. Year 7. If you haven't been out there yet, I don't know what the heck you've been doing, but get yourself out there to the War Memorial and enjoy the Syracuse Silver Knights. And enjoy the, uh, the fact that there are professional athletes out there that will literally stay there and sign every single autograph that they possibly could come their way because of their care and concern. And, and I think that that's a proper way to, to end our conversation for today, Nate, is, is to say thank you to not only you but to the team from you know that initial moment that I'll never forget that of, you know I think it was Slav and, and Nelly that were sitting there and just signing autographs. And I'm looking at the thing, and I'm like, it's been like an hour and ten minutes since the game has ended, and they weren't finishing until every single kid – had the autograph that they wanted. So I think that that's a big part of what you guys do. And I think the community needs to recognize and hopefully appreciate the fact that you are a a non-ego bunch when it comes to making sure that people can have the autographs and shake your hand and and know that their favorite player appreciates them. Well, Dan, I appreciate it. And I mean, these fans on the other end deserve it more than anything. We love, we love interacting with them and, and getting to know them better and, and doing anything they want for us. So it's, it goes both ways. But, I, again, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on the show. You're the best, man. I appreciate it, brother. Feel better, and I'll talk with you soon, okay? All right, sounds good. Bye-bye. All right, take care. That coming from Nate Bordell. It's times like that, <laughs> you know, you just kind of take a step back when someone says, you're the best. And you're like, no, I'm not, but thank you. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, It just means a lot. We're going to take a step aside for a fast break. Logan Roberts coming up next. This is a wake-up call fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com.
This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. And we're very happy to have you here on the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Just set it on the dial and be ready. Whether you're at work, hanging out at home, taking care of the kids, at school, college, whatever may be going on in your life, make sure that you have that's phone, iPad, iPod, desktop, laptop, whatever gets the internet, which pretty much everything, I'm waiting for a pen where you just click it twice and the internet airs. So you can get the internet pretty much on everything at this point in time, and you can get the show because of that. So mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt is where to go, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner, coming up right now on the live line is Logan Roberts. Logan is... No stranger to the show because him and I spent a lot of time talking during the season of Syracuse FC. Now he's indoor playing with the Knights, and I'm happy to have him back here on the show. Logan, how are we doing today? Good, Dan. How about you? Doing well, man. And, and first and foremost, just speak to me. I know we talked a little bit off the air about it, but you know the decision to play indoor and to come play for the Knights instead of just kind of you know doing what you got to do at Syracuse FC and then biding your time and and waiting until the season rolls around to continue to keep yourself involved in the game of soccer, although it be a little bit different inside. What's it been like for you playing indoor? Um, it's definitely an adjustment. Um, I think you got from a lot of guys that they go from playing outdoor to indoor. Uh, it's, it's a completely different game, um, much different tactically and technically. There's a lot of different requirements. Um, so it, 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 it takes a little while to get used to. Um, a lot of guys that are on the team now have been playing indoor for a while um i i joined late i started training uh last year trying to get used to the, the i'm still trying to get used to the nuances and the movement of the game but um i i'm, I'm enjoying it it's fun uh it's it's good to, to keep playing over the winter 
and uh, it's a very good group of guys, so I, I got no complaints. And when you speak on the group of guys, just what you can say, because on this roster, for you, speaking here with Logan Roberts of the Syracuse Silver Knights, when you look at the roster for this team, for the Knights, you got some familiar faces, obviously from uh, what you've been doing at Syracuse FC, like the Ben Raymonds and the Stefano Stemilicatos, and as well as uh, Nate Bordeaux and company. Just what you could say about you know that carryover and, and Slav as well, and Bo, that when you had those those teammates on Syracuse FC, how that assisted in your transition and, and Domenico Vitale as well. Um, it's been great having those guys because um, you know just from over the summer having a chemistry with them, um, having a good relationship with them has only helped me because. Uh, a couple of those guys like Nate and Domenico and Slav have been playing this game indoors for four, five, six years now. And uh, it's, it's great to have someone that you know that you can go ask a couple of questions to, um, and to and and they'll give you an honest answer because uh, they're all great guys and they all just want to help and, you know, see the best for everyone and see the best for the team. So it's great to have those guys, uh, you know, so close to me right now. What has been the, the strangest thing for you about the indoor game to get used to? I think the boards, for sure. Um, I think a, a lot of people might say that. Um, just coming from playing outdoor, um, defensively, you always have you know a sideline to help you out. And you can force a guy to the sideline. He, he's got nowhere to go. He can, he's going to kick it out of bounds. He's going to give the ball away. And indoor... Um, the angles are so much different because of the boards. There's so much else that a player on the ball can do to get by you. So um, I think that's been a huge adjustment for me. But I think I'm, you know, after a little while, I'm starting to get the hang of it. Do you kind of have to tell yourself like, do this now? But once you get back outdoor again, do not kick it to the board. There's not going to be a board. Yeah. I mean, you got to unteach, yeah. teach and unteach, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think once I get back back outdoors, it'll take me. Uh, a couple, a couple sessions to, to kind of get used to that again. But um, I, I think it'll definitely be an adjustment again once I get back outdoor. But I'm sure I've been playing outdoors for I don't know 16 years now, so uh, I, I think it'll come back pretty quickly. And and speaking here with Logan Roberts of the Syracuse Silver Knights and also of Syracuse FC, what did you take away from your time with with Syracuse FC? I know that you're with the Knights right now, but now that you know you can you know have hindsight be 2020 and and take a look back on that inaugural season and being a part of it. What were your takeaways from Syracuse FC so far? Um, I think more than anything that I think the uh, just you know how responsive the community was to us. Um, I think it was kind of a surprise to a lot of the guys in the team to kind of see you know the the crowd and the atmosphere we got at, the, at, the, at those first couple of games. Um, and I, I think my biggest takeaway from the year was that you know this 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 city um, is hungry for more soccer and i think that's uh that's it's a very good thing and i think we've seen a little bit of that we've had some very good attendance so far at uh our first three home games for the silver knights um and i i think we're, we're gonna hope we're gonna continue to see that um so yeah i think that's my biggest takeaway is just you know how responsive the community was and when you make that that switch over to the knights i mean this is a team that's in its seventh season and, and it's not an easy thing to do you know, the Chiefs and the Crunch, you know, can obviously attest to the fact that it's not the easiest thing to do to, to keep a franchise going and rolling in Syracuse, New York. And the, the difference is, and I just spoke with Nate about it as well, is that there is no 
parent team. You know, with with the Chiefs, you can look to Major League Baseball. With the Crunch, you can look to the NHL. But you are the franchise when it's the Knights. So just to speak to, you know, what you've taken away from being a part of the organization so far and, and how they run their day-to-day and, and just what you like about it. Uh, yeah, I think definitely everyone uh, in the organization is pretty tight-knit. Um, it, it's been, for, for the players, it's been a lot of the same same guys kind of since the beginning. There's been a, been a core group that's been here for a while. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it's a good environment to come in and to train. Um, you know, just because a lot of the guys know each other, a lot of guys are from the area, which I think is, is important because uh, the guys in the area kind of understand, um, understand the community and understand, um, you know, what we're looking to get out of this, you know, not only as, uh, as an organization from a, from a playing standpoint, but, um, community outreach and things like that. So I think, you know, just the, the continuity within the, uh, within the organization is very good. And what have they had you do so far, you know, as far as getting out in the community, I know the Knights, you know, try very hard to do some things in the community and be a part and let fans know that in game and out of game, in season and out of season that they care for the fans and they care for the community. So what have you gotten to be a part of so far? Um, I, I've gotten to be a part of a lot of cool stuff. Um, just a couple weeks ago, me and uh, a couple of the other guys, Andrew Coffin and Liam Callahan, uh, went over to the, the Fayetteville Manliest Library and uh, we did a little clinic for some of the kids there. And then afterwards we uh, went into a classroom and uh, handed out a couple books and talked about kind of the importance of uh education uh and soccer combined both in our lives um you know and how how the game has only helped us um with our education and and you know getting into good colleges and you know there on after so uh we've gotten to a lot of a lot of things like that going out and you know speaking to kids and meeting kids and you know telling them about our experiences and hopefully that uh you know hopefully that will benefit them and I know that uh, you got training coming up here. So before I let you go, Logan, just to uh, to give some thoughts on what you what you think about the season so far. You know, being on the road, getting four wins on the road, and and having to play so many road games to start things off. Six road games, three at home to be four and two on the road, and then get a victory at home, and know that you're going to be at home for the uh, for a bunch of games coming up here in front of the fans. Just what you've seen from the team so far through the first nine, and what your takeaways have been. Yeah, I think uh, I think the biggest takeaway from from us is that you know we we work really hard, um, especially defensively. Like it, it's it's not easy to, to break us down. Uh, we've outworked most of the teams that we've played so far, um, and you know we've we've had some, some errors here and there, but most of the games that you know we've lost so far have been by one goal. Um, so I, I I mean that only speaks to uh, our, our work rate and our commitment as a team. And um, it's definitely been a tough schedule for us being on the road so much. But the fact that we've been able to pull out four road wins is huge. Um, and, you know, it's we have a lot to look forward to in the, in the next coming two months with a lot of home games and a really good opportunity to get into the playoffs. So uh, we, we have a lot to be excited about right now and um, looking forward to it. That coming from Logan Roberts. And have you felt it from the fans? Did you get some FC fans or soccer fans in general kind of you know, find you on this team as well because you were you were a fan favorite, got a lot of love from the fans at Syracuse FC. Do you feel like you're getting that love right now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I've seen on uh, on social media and, and at the 
and at the games we've seen uh you know some of the Syracuse FC guys the 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 fans um reach out to us let us know they're supporting us and uh it, it, it's been great you know the uh um the turnover from you know playing outdoors to you know some of those fans coming indoors trying to support us has been great so um i'm happy about it that coming from logan roberts of the syracuse silver knights logan as always i appreciate you having uh being on the show and being a part of the broadcast keep doing what you're doing and and keep playing well out there and Right for right now, you can use those boards. You got an extra teammate, so enjoy that for this moment. And I look forward to seeing you and talking with you soon. I appreciate it. Sounds good. It's great to talk to you. All right, man. Take care. All right, you too. Thanks. That coming from Logan Roberts once again. Logan Roberts of the Syracuse Silver Knights. Syracuse Silver Knights taking over this first part of the show here today, and happy to have a Cuse takeover with the Syracuse Silver Knights. That's how we do it here, folks. Get those Knights on here. And you know that for the past seven years, for as long as this team has been in existence, there is no better place to go when it comes to wanting to get information and connect with the team than Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. No better place to be than right here when you want to hear from the players, hear about the team, get connected, and get that inside scoop and that inside track. It's been here. And I want to thank the Knights for allowing it to be here. You know, all these guys that have that have been a part of the show for so long. I mean, I look at the roster right now. You know, Ben Raymond, Domenico Vitale, Stefano Stamlaketos, uh, Vittorio Petrera, Bo Yelowich, Darren Toby, Andrew Coughlin, Logan Roberts, Joey Tavernisi, Jake Schindler, Canardo Forbes, Nate Bordeaux, Patrick Thompson, Slav Ubi-Parapovich, Ryan Hall, Brian O'Quinn. They've all been a part of the show the overwhelming majority of of the roster that's that's there right now because there's, there's some new faces but you know all of these these gentlemen that i just named have been a part of the broadcast over the years and i really feel privileged and appreciative and thankful for it because i love this team you know i got to sit down and and have the conversation of you know, with Tommy about, you know, I think we're going to bring a team here. I think we're going to try indoor. I really want to do indoor. I remember sitting in the bar and talking with Tommy about it at Woody's and him saying, you know, we're thinking about doing this. I kind of just wanted to let you know and give you a heads up. I wanted you to be one of the people that I talked to about it and to let you know what's going on and what we're trying to do. And, and this is before they even had a logo. And then to see the logo, and and I fell in love with the logo. I think the logo is wonderful. And to look at you know what this team has been working to do and trying to do over the past seven years and how after year two, it was like, are you coming back? After year one, are you coming back? Then it was, are you coming back for year three? Then year four, every single year it was, are you gonna, are you gonna, are you gonna? And seven years strong, this team has put a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, and a lot of tears into staying here so if you have any love whatsoever for soccer if you have any love for this for sports in general any love for you know these players that you saw with Syracuse FC any love for local talent love for your city love in general for for people that work hard and try to bring a good product to you this is an inexpensive fun exciting entertaining way to spend a couple hours of a day is to go to a Syracuse Silver Knights game. You will not be disappointed. 100% of the people that I have brought, and I'm not kidding about this, I'm not fudging the numbers here, I never do. 
100% of the people that I have brought to a Syracuse Silver Knights game that have either won tickets on my show by calling in or writing in or whatever, or that I brought as family and friends, every single one of them has said to me, thank you. I wanted to be, you know, now I want to come back. That's what I always hear. Thank you. I want to come back. Thank you. I want to come back. I didn't know it was like this. I hear that all the time too. Dan, you know, you've talked about this for a while, but I never knew it was like this. Or how many non-soccer fans, people tell me, I don't watch soccer, I don't like soccer, I don't like the sport, and then they come to a Syracuse Silver Knights game and they want to come back and they love it. So, you know, I think it bridges the gap for some of those people that aren't soccer fans. I think because it's faster, because there's a hockey element, because you can be physical, because there's boards, because, you know, the the goal is, is smaller, it's like half the size to score within, and because, you know, the field is smaller, there's a lot of running up and down, and you know, there's going to be a score, you know, it's not like a outdoor game that can end zero to zero. So, you know, for me, I I just feel that, you know, these Syracuse Silver Knights and this organization has worked very hard and very diligently to be something special for the community. So if you haven't been to a game, don't wait any longer and just get yourself tickets. Go to SyracuseSilverKnights.com. It's very simple. It's just one word, Syracuse Silver Knights. You put it all together. SyracuseSilverKnights.com and buy your tickets. You can get single game tickets, ticket passes, special offers, group tickets, and you can call 315-303-7261. That's 315-303-7261 to buy your tickets. It's it's under 20 bucks to get in as an adult or a child. It's 17.50 for an adult, 14.50 for a kid. These are very low prices, very reasonable prices. So spend the money and go to the game, and you will not be disappointed. We'll take a step aside here for a fast break, and we'll come back with Slavisha Ubi Parapovich. One of my favorite names. If you've come to any of the Syracuse FC games, you I am the voice of Syracuse FC, and uh, I'm proud to be. And <laughs> if you couldn't tell, I love it. I get out there, and it's like energy, energy. So I uh, I love going Slavisha Ubi Parapovich. So... And I kind of dulled it down here a little bit because I don't know if the mic can take it here in the studio, but I love going, Ubi. That's the part that I, I really get a Ubi. Hubi. Ubi. So I like <laughs> doing that. And Slav's been great to me. I mean, I've known Slav for seven years now, so uh, we have a great relationship. And you're going to hear that in the broadcast uh, as we continue here. He's going to be on the show in just a couple minutes. This is a wake up call, fast break. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Leeson Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. 
Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company, Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You know what to do, folks. You get become a member of MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That's all you have to do. It is very simple. It is very easy. MixLR is the name of of the live streaming and it's backslash wake up call dt that's how you connect to me so go to mixlr.com backslash wake up call dt and become a part of the show right now becoming a member is free it's not a little bit free it's not kind of free it's totally free and you can do that right now just become a member of mixlr.com backslash wake up call dt you will not be disappointed you'll be connected with the show 24 7 and you can talk with me live in the live chat room only members can do that and you can also be a part of the show because you'll be emailed whenever the show goes live the show will be live and it sends an email straight to all your devices and says wake up call is live would you like to listen and then you click on it and say yes i would and there you are and it brings you straight to the live feed so make sure that you become a member today 
And with that being said, we continue on here in the morning menu, proudly present, presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA with my Syracuse Silver Knights Connective Corridor here. We got a we got a big part of the show dedicated to the Knights this morning. So to all you fans that have been following my show for seven years and said, Dan, we appreciate your coverage of the Syracuse Silver Knights. I want to give you a nice big present here on New Year's. So post-Christmas... I'm extending Christmas for you, hopefully, by bringing you these. I want to give you a nice Christmas gift in January, make it a little bit longer here, and bring you into the new year with plenty of Syracuse Silver Knights to hopefully get your fix of connecting with the team and with the players that represent this great city of Syracuse, New York. So with that being said, love to the Knights, and I love all the Syracuse Silver Knights fans that send me messages and get in touch with the show, and for all of you that thank me for my coverage and being a part of it. I thank you because I just do it because I love to do it. And the fact that you guys love hearing it and seeing it, reading about it, that means the world to me. And I'm sure it means the world to the Knights. So thank you so much for the love and the positivity and to being some of the greatest fans that I've ever met. And I'm not just saying that. The fans that that are there when it comes to the Syracuse Silver Knights are have always been good to me and, and a lot of fun. So you know, that's something I can say about this fan base is they've always been positive and, and appreciative and just they show up all the time. So thank you and shout out to you. With that being said, Slavisha Ubi Parapovich is on the show right now. We call him Slav. Slav, how you doing this morning? Good, good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing very well. And I have to ask you, you know, outside of the the sport of soccer, how is how is life in general going? What's been going on? It's been a little while since we've had you here on the broadcast. So What's what kind of, you know, happened in personal life or professional life that you've had over the last few months? How how has the life of Slav been going? Uh, life is good. I really can't come. Uh, it, it's been great. I can't. It's uh, been a long year. Went on a vacation for a few few months down in Europe. I uh, went to visit my family, took, uh, took my girlfriend down so she can see where I'm from, so she can uh, at least relate a little bit. So that was fun. Uh, we visited Italy as well. Uh, besides that, nothing much. Just going to work, going to practice, trying to make the playoffs this year, and it's uh, pretty much focused on soccer for the time being right now. And bringing your girlfriend down to your familiar roots, what was that experience like for, for you and for her? It was great. I haven't been in a while. Last time I went was in 2010. So it was nice for me as well to see my family, but she, uh, she had a blast. She she was trying to learn as much as she could. A lot of my family doesn't speak English, so that was a little challenge. But she got a uh, somehow they all got along. My cousins speak a little bit of English, so that kind of helped. But she had fun. She thought uh, the country was great and food and everything else. And when you look back at at your time, I mean, share with everybody, you know, where you're from directly, so that you know, like even just your town or your province or, or whatever it may be so that people could get a real feel for, you know, kind of what your neck of the woods is. I'm from a, I'm from a city called Zenica. It's in Bosnia. It's uh, one of the one of the biggest uh, metal factories is based there. It was one of the biggest in Europe back in the day when Yugoslavia was still around. So the city's pretty much known for that. They have a pretty good sports uh, teams. They have a soccer team, volleyball, handball, basketball. So it's a pretty, pretty nice town. Now... Were you in touch with Vladimir Putin at, at any time when you went over there? Apparently, everybody that goes overseas talks to Putin, allegedly. So did you talk to him? 
No, I didn't get a chance to, but we uh, we exchanged a few text messages. <laughs> Very nice. So, you know, when you go back to Bosnia and you have an opportunity to be there and for, with your familiar roots and obviously with your family, you know, I feel like it gets taken for granted uh, a player like yourself, Slav, that, you know, has been in the States for so long and has done so much here and, you know, has made a living for himself here and, and obviously, you know, have built relationships here and whatnot, that you are away from your family for so long. And yet it's it's become a normalcy with people coming from one continent to the next and spending their lives here and then saying, you know, I haven't seen my mom in 10 years and going back and seeing mom or you haven't seen an uncle in five years or 15 years or whatever it may be. It almost becomes, especially in the sport of soccer, a regular occurrence. But how do you handle it? How do you how do you live with knowing that, you know, your family is is in Bosnia and you've been here trying to build a build your life and, and build what you could do, but obviously you're always connected to them. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's tough. The, the older I'm getting, the more I'm starting to miss them because they're getting older as well. So you always think about how many times I'm actually going to see them, you know, because I don't go often. So it's, it's, it's kind of tough, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and I promise myself to go more often and visit them. It's a lot. It's much easier, and a lot, a lot easier for us to go from here to visit them down there because not many of them have jobs down there, so it's tough for them to save up money and come up, come here. So, I mean, that's one promise I made myself. But you just kind of keep going. You get used to it, and you gotta understand. You know, everybody's trying to build a build a life for themselves, and I'm I'm here. They're there. So, hopefully, we get to see each other more than every ten years, like it's been. And what? You know, for you, speaking here with Slav Ubi Parapovich of the Syracuse Silver Knights, what made you kind of come to terms and, and be okay with leaving home and building a life in the States and, and doing what you've done so far? You know, everybody has their story. What has your story been? Because you and I have, have known each other for a while, but we haven't really, you know, dove into the the layers and kind of the process for you of saying okay you know what my family's in bosnia i'm gonna be here i'm gonna grow here i'm gonna build a life you know here and and go back like you said as often as you can bring me and and bring the people listening into your story and just how you came to terms with this was the best option for you and and then kind of the steps that you took well, it really wasn't my decision. I was too, too young to make a decision like that. So my parents decided to come here for a better life for me and my brother, which which I'm thankful for. It was just uh, back home. The country was splitting, uh, splitting up. The war was happening, and there was really no future for us at the time. So we unfortunately had to leave, flee our country, our city, and everything we had and start all from scratch. So my parents literally came here with $50, not even, not even $50, with two kids. No English, not even an idea, idea where you're going. They've never been here. So, but, and they've worked hard and they've made it. And I thank them every day for what they've done for me and my brother. So it's, it's, it was tough for them. It's still, it's still tough for them. My, my dad hasn't even been back in 20 years. So I can't even imagine what he's going through. So, but he doesn't like to fly. So we're trying to make him go down there. We might have to drug him up or something. But we'll see. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, but I, I, it's been great here. I love it. I, I pretty much grew up in America. I came here when I was 12, so I feel like I am an American, and I feel like I've grown up here I almost as a, as a kid that was born here. 
And, you know, in that connection, obviously you have a connection to Cleveland, Ohio, and a connection to, you know, the teams that are there and whatnot. Like you said, you almost feel like you were born here and, and that, you know, this is your home because you came here at such a young age. What can you say about, you know, what you remember about growing up in Bosnia before you came over and, and then being in Cleveland? I would imagine that the differences are, are drastic, obviously, between the, you know, between Bosnia and, and the United States. But how did you kind of handle that as a kid and how, how different was it for you? Did it feel different? Did it look different right away? Or did you kind of, you know, as you got older, realize the differences? Well, I mean, but down there it was fun. It was, it was awesome. I had, I had a blast growing up in Bosnia. But then when, when we got here, yeah, it's a lot different. You know, you can't stay outside past dark. You can't do all these things. And I, I've got no, I've, I've had police take me home because I was outside playing till after dark. My mom's like, what, what is he even bringing you home for? I'm like, I have no idea. So yeah, it was a little different. We we didn't we weren't used to those things. But when I got here, they as soon as they put me in school, they put me in a classroom with a kid that's also from Bosnia. So that helped a lot because I didn't speak any English. So he was kind of pretty much teaching me English and walking me through school and walking me through kind of growing up. And we're still friends, and he's my best friend. So it's uh, so that that definitely helped. And then we also lived in these apartments where there was a lot of Bosnian families there. So that kind of also helped because it just made it almost feel like you're at home. So we try to make it as much of a home here as much as we can, you know. Yeah, and speaking here with Slav Ubi Parapovic of the Syracuse Silver Knights and, and speaking on his, his story to where he's gotten to today, you know, Slav, and and this is not um, this is not meant to be political in any stretch of the imagination. That's not what we do here on the show. But just to ask you, because my family is from Italy and Spain, and there was a time where, you know, they made the decision to come over. And I was not somebody who grew up in another country. I've always been in America. But, you know, my family had to make those moves like your family did. And in different situations, different circumstances, they might have had 50 bucks or 12 bucks or no money or whatever it may be. And, you know, when you when you look back on your time and then you look at the climate of, of what we live in today and closing our borders and don't let anybody in and, and, you know, and build walls or do this or do that. How do you respond to that knowing that, you know, if that was a situation when you were a kid, you might have never come here, never met the people you met, never lived where you lived, never be. I mean, you and I wouldn't be talking today if the border or the if the decision was made that, you know, the United States, as has been made in the past, will not have people from certain countries come into the country because of a threat or because of whatever it may be. If that was the time back then, like it feels like now at times, just how that would, you know, be for you and what your thoughts are on some of the things you hear today, knowing that you're a child that migrated and and your family wanted to give you a better life. I mean, does that case need to be handled? I think so. There, There is a lot of illegal immigrants here and I think that needs to be handled but is it handled correctly? I don't think so. So I think they need to rehandle this situation and uh handle it a little better and and a little more fair. I don't think it's fair for because of, of a certain individual to have the rest of the country not be able to come to America. It's, it's just ridiculous. So I, I mean that, but does it have to be handled? I think so. There's there's a problem here with that so I think there needs to be a better way. And when you look back on on your time, like you said, you appreciate what your parents did for you 
and your brother, what has it done for you as, as a person? How has it made you a better person? How has it made you want to open the doors for other people? Just what you can say about what the sacrifices your family made has done for you. I think it's just going through experiences like those you are, it almost humbles you. It makes you, makes you look at people differently. It makes you understand when you see somebody who doesn't speak English, it makes you understand like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I was there once, you know, so it's, it helps you relate to a lot more, uh, I guess, like life situations than just, I guess, being accustomed here. So I think, yeah, it's, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, it's great. So to be where you are today, Slav, and do the things that, that you've done up to this point, what have you learned the most about yourself as you've grown and, and have become, not just with soccer, but in general, <clears throat> as somebody who has had the opportunity, and I consider it a blessing. I know that you know countries are not always in the best of shape, and like you said, your family didn't come over with much money and you know just had a hope and a dream, which a lot of families and a lot of migrants have done to the United States, but you've had the the benefit and the privilege to live in two totally different parts of the world. So what have you taken away from that, and, and what has it done for you as a human being when you are going through things in your daily life to be able to say that you've seen two totally different corners of the world, so to speak? What has that done for you? Well, like I said, it just helps you understand diversity, and you, you get to appreciate the differences here and the similarities as well. So like I said before, there's a lot different, a lot different to live here than in Bosnia, but, and that's what I think is great about that. So you kind of, through your whole life, you're kind of learning new things. Even today, I've been here for what, 19 years and I learn something new every day. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. You know, that's something like somebody that was born here. They, they know that it's almost common knowledge for them. But for us, I'm like, you never really hear about it because your parents never really talk about it. So you kind of just, grow up as you I'm sure I'll be learning for the next 10 20 years as you always come across something that you haven't heard before have you learned more in your time in America than the Cleveland Browns have <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, let's not talk about the brownies <laughs> that's, a, that's a touchy subject now now they have the number one now for everybody listening in why I brought up the Browns with Slav he's uh, a big fan of the Cleveland Browns and they have the number one pick and the number four pick. If you were them, what would you do? Would you keep, first of all, would you keep the picks or would you trade them for more picks? How would you handle it? Would you, do you want to see them keep number one and number four? Or do you want to see them trade them and try to get more value for it? No, I would say keep them. Just draft the best players we can. We need help. <laughs> do you draft like they've done every year, which is since they came back in 1999? After losing the franchise to the uh, to the Baltimore Ravens, what became the Baltimore Ravens, when you look back from 1999 to now, pretty much every single year, your Cleveland Browns have drafted a quarterback. Do they draft a quarterback this year, or would you like to see them do something else with the number one pick? Um, I don't think a quarterback is our problem. I, I mean, I'm sure we could use a better quarterback, but the whole team is a problem. No offensive line, no nothing. No, no wide receivers, so even if we brought in Brady, he wouldn't be able to do anything there. Now, with the fourth pick, I've already decided. The number one pick, I haven't decided what they're going to do with it yet, but the number four pick, my prediction is that they take Penn State running back Saquon Barkley. I think that that's what's going to happen. I think Barkley from Penn State is going to be drafted fourth overall by the Cleveland Browns. What do you think about that? 
Let me think. Do we need a well, We need a running back. Crowell's not bad, but I think we can use another one. Okay. I think that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying, you know, write it down on a piece of paper and remember that I said it. Because I think that Saquon Barkley is going to the Cleveland Browns. But with, you know, with, with looking at your keeping with sports and, and looking at what's happened with you so far, you know, you've had an opportunity to play with the Syracuse Silver Knights and Syracuse FC. What have you taken away from both? And I know that your time with Syracuse FC, you were on the team and then toward the end of the season, you, you know, not so much a part of the team, but have, you know, reconnected with some people that are part of that staff with the Syracuse Silver Knights just bring me into kind of the road to get you here and, and what you've taken away from the Knights and what you took away from Syracuse FC while you were there. I mean, it's it's great to be a part of a such good organization. I think Yara has done great with the Syracuse FC and promoting them. And Syracuse Silver Knights, I, uh, they've, uh, they've hired more people in the office and they're trying to make the program turn around a little more. And you can see by the fans in the stands now, we have a, a lot more people coming to the game, so they have promoted us much better this past summer. Well, the great friendships. You, you you meet a lot of uh, soccer players, a lot of fans, which is great. You always appreciate these friendships because they go a long way. You never know five, ten years from now you're going to see somebody say, hey, and start talking and remember the season all this stuff. So it's kind of nice. When you see, you know, the more fans in the stands and whatnot and you feel like things have been – what are some of those steps that you've seen – that you feel like are different maybe here in year seven than we're in the first six years. What are you seeing from the front office now that you feel is helping to get the word out there, get more people out there and, and make it even better than what it has been? I think they just, uh, they started doing it on, on time and they started doing it before the season started, which is which what needs to be done. So and the guys have done a lot of appearances as well. So they're trying to, get us out in the community as much as they can just so people see us out there and ask about us and hopefully come to a game. But there are still, still people in Syracuse that don't know about us, and that's it's a shame. So I think we need to fix that. Once we figure out a way to reach everybody in Syracuse, then I think we'll have a, a lot better turnouts for years. That coming from Slav Ubi Parapovich. And Slav, to look at this season before I let you go, just what you've been taking away from this season so far, I mean, you guys have played, at the time that we're talking right now, you, you have played nine games on your schedule, and the team is five and four through those nine games. You haven't played many at home, only three games at home of those nine, and that was a struggle for the Silver Knights in the first six years, was winning games on the road, yet you have a an, an above 500 record playing six of your first nine games on the road, so that goes to show what you could do. You won an overtime at the Turlock Express to start off the season and were able to win against the Florida Tropics on the road in the second road game, or pardon me, in one of your road games that you had your second road win of the season. You won at the Harrisburg Heat and just recently went back to see the Florida Tropics and beat them in overtime. Just what you could say about, you know, road victories, four out of your five wins this season have come on the road. So just what you could say about getting better on the road and, and maybe what you think are some of those components that are leading this team to be a better road team than you've been in the past? Honestly, I think we the road games that we won and every game that we won has just come through hard work. Everybody's working hard, every single guy. A guy that gets one shift, two shifts, five shifts, and a guy that plays the whole game. Everybody's playing the same way, so that's definitely helped us. And even when we're down in games, 
we're not we're not putting our head down and saying okay we're gonna lose this one no we we keep fighting and that's how we're winning games we're coming back a lot of the games that we won we were losing so I think that's a that's a great thing so I think every day we're getting better I feel it in every game we play play uh, as a team is unbelievable now that we understand each other and we've been with each other for for some years it's just all connecting. And you just brought up that, you know, everybody's given effort, whether they're playing for a few minutes, the whole game, whatever it may be. There's been some questions of that in the past of, of effort. And if guys weren't playing or only playing a few minutes, was it a detriment and how they were being? What is it about this year's team that you feel like there's more maturity and that the team has come together even closer? Because describing something like that, that, you know, whether someone's playing two minutes, 10 minutes, the whole game, whatever it may be, that, that they're focused they're, they're, and they're ready to play as long as they're going to play or as short as they're going to play. What's attributed, in your opinion, to the fact that the maturity is there of somebody being more about the team than about themselves? I think because we're, we're close as a team. We're all friends. We, there's, everybody hangs out with everybody. Whenever we do something, we all do it together. So I think that's definitely helped us. And also the younger guys are always wanting to learn, so... Like I said, yeah, just a good team team environment, so it's great. With familiar faces, with you, Slav, Ben Raymond, Domenico Vitale, uh, Stefano Stemlocatos, Vittorio Petrera, Bo Yellowich, uh, Darren Toby, Andrew Coughlin, Logan Roberts, Joey T- Tavernisi, Jake Schindler, Canardo Forbes, Nate Bordeaux, Patrick Thompson, and, of course, your, your head coach, Ryan Hall. The overwhelming majority of this team has known each other and been around each other for a while. Just to speak to that and the importance of you know bringing in the the new faces and and the new pieces to the team, but just how well you guys have. I mean, people like yourself and Canardo and Nate and Domenico and Ryan and Ben. I mean, you guys have been with this program forever, and a lot of the guys like Jake Schindler coming back and. Vittorio's been here and Joey Tavernisi coming a couple years ago and Logan being a part of it and Stefanos being a part of it now and Andrew Coughlin stepping up as a goalkeeper. Just what you could say about, you know, how this team and these familiar faces have really become the face of the Silver Knights. There isn't one dominant face. It's it's a little bit of everybody. Well, you, I mean, yeah, like you said, six, seven of us have been here since year one. Yeah, actually, I five of us have been here since year one so that's that's definitely been the core and we all lived lived together in the soccer house in the past what five six years whenever the season starts guys come back we all live in the same house everybody gets close with each other and that way and it stays like that throughout the year even when the guys move away we still talk text talk about games or whatever it is so um it's good that we stay in contact all year so when the guys come back for season, it feels like they never even left. And every time before season starts, we talk to each other. Hey, coming back? Yes. Okay, I'll see you here. And then we kind of already know, okay, everybody's coming back. Team's going to be good. Did you ever believe that this, this team was going to be here seven years from its institution? Uh, no, I didn't really think so. So to see it here, what do you think attributes to that? What what made this team last as long as it has? Well, when you look around the league, most of these teams and organizations have 10 plus people working in their office. We have one or two. And to have to have made it seven years with a couple of people working in the office, 
well now there's a, a little more than one or two but still we started off having two or three people in the office and look where we've made it seven years not many teams can say that but i think that we got to thank them for that obviously they're the ones that have pushed us this far Absolutely, and that coming from Slav Ubi Parapovich, believing in this team and seeing that, you know, even though it's been a struggle at times, that this team has made it to year number seven, getting more people in the stands and continuing to win games and impress and, and do what's good out there. The only other question I have for you, Slav, is who dresses better, you or Domenico? Domenico's a terrible dresser. <laughs> It's a, this is a man who owns Giovanni's formal wear. That's the problem. That's the problem. You would think he'd be dressed very nice, but he's not. Okay. I gotta talk to him. I gotta talk to him. <laughs> All right. Maybe you could. Maybe you could go in there and work part time at Giovanni's and help him out a little bit. Hey, I offered. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to bring me in. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So that's coming from Slav Ubi Parapovich. If he won't let you in, the Cleveland Browns are definitely looking for people to come in, so we'll find a spot for you there. That coming from Slav Ubi Parapovich. And as always, Slav, you know, I appreciate your time and always appreciate talking with you, and, and I'll be seeing you very soon. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We probably open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. 
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast and be a part of this show, and thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And I want to thank once again Slavisha Ubi-Parapovich, as well as Nate Bordeaux and Logan Roberts for being a part of of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora this morning. Syracuse Silver Night Takeover on this morning's broadcast of the show. So thank you to the gentlemen for being a part of it. Syracuse Silver Night single game tickets are on sale, as well as group rates and whatnot at 315-303-7261. That's 315-303-7261. So make sure that you make that phone call to get your tickets or go to Syracuse Silver Night's Dot com. In the schedule so far that you've heard me talk with all three of the gentlemen about, the Silver Knights started their season on Friday, November 3rd. They run from November to March, and <clears throat> just like Syracuse basketball, November to March is an easy way <clears throat> to remember it. And the Syracuse Silver Knights started on the road, won in overtime with a win against the Turlock Express and the first time that they played against them, 7-6. Then they were on the road and lost 6-5 to to the San Diego Sockers and then lost in overtime. Had a bunch of overtime games so far this season. Have had three in their first nine games, so a third of the time playing in OT. They lost at home against the Ontario Fury 7-6. Lost on the road at the Baltimore Blast 7-6. Defeated the Florida Tropics 6-5 on the road. Lost to the Tropics at home 9-4 and then defeated the Harrisburg Heat at home and on the road 8-5 to and 8-6 to when they were on the road against them on Friday, December 15th, and then at home Friday, December 29th, and then just recently won on Saturday, January 6th against the Florida Tropics on the road 10-9 to down in Florida in overtime. Upcoming games for the team, Friday, January 12th, they will be back at home against the Baltimore Blast. Then they're on a three-game road stint. Then they'll be back against the Florida Tropics and the Cedar Rapids Rampage, and then later on in the season, they will be playing a three-game home stint against Harrisburg and St. Louis, and then they'll finish off the season at home against Milwaukee and Baltimore, two huge teams that they have been playing since their institution seven years ago. So big ups to the Syracuse Silver Knights and to all they're doing and to the work that they're putting forward, and a congratulations to them on year number seven, and I want to thank each and every one of those involved, including the Ray- the Raymond family, the Taylor family, the other Taylor family, <laughs> the, the Tanner family, the Taylor family, the Raymond family, the Zawislan family, as as well as the LaVenture family and, and everybody that's been a part of the Syracuse Silver Knights. So to Alan, to Pete, to John, to Doug, to Tommy, to Yarrow, and so on and so forth. Thank you for all the work that you have put in to this team and, and in much appreciation to the work that you have done. So God bless and, and be well. And hopefully things continue on for the Syracuse Silver Knights in a positive way as they get set to, you know, take hold of their season even more so. Five five and four after having six out of nine games on the road, not too shabby, and winning four of those road games out of six, not bad at all. So Syracuse Silver Knights, happy to be coming back home this weekend and plenty more coming up. So 
big thank you to what they've done and a thank you to them always wanting to be a part of the show and welcoming me in from day zero. So thank you to the Syracuse Silver Knights organization and the Syracuse Silver Knights Foundation as well for all that you do in central and upstate New York. Continuing on here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is my honor and my privilege to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and you can listen to the show on MixLR.com backslash DT. If you would like to listen to the broadcast at any given time, if you would like to listen to the show whenever on your schedule, you can go to wakeupcalldt.com, click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, or the downloadable app, and you can listen into over, I think there's 815 shows on there right now, almost 100,000 downloads just on Podbean. So if you want to listen in, that is the way to do it. Go to wakeupcalldt.com and pick whatever one you'd like to listen through. If you're an RSS feed person, you want to listen through iTunes, or if you want to download the app and keep it on your device, you could do that all in one place on wakeupcalldt.com right there on the homepage. So make sure that you do that. And a God bless and thanks to each and every one of you for being a part of the show. Want to get into some of the things going on before we do the deeper look at a trending topic through the looking glass. I want to take a look at some of the things that have been happening so far in the world of sports just to kind of go around around the uh, around the field and the court and so on and so forth. So there's some stories that kind of have caught my eye lately and I want to get into some of this stuff. So I want to start with this story about the Seahawks firing the man who did not hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. And for some reason, I mean, Marshawn Lynch hasn't been a part of the Seahawks in the last couple of years, but you know, this story is obviously out there right now. Uh, Daryl Bevel, Bevel uh, the offensive coordinator of the Seahawks, been with the team since 2011 and helped them win a Super Bowl in 2013. And you look at the fact that he was with them for seven seasons and he will not be a part of it anymore. But the whole thing is he didn't hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch and yada, yada, yada. You know, uh, the the play call that lost the Super Bowl in 2014, he doesn't regret making it, and he would call it again if given a chance, yada, yada, yada. So I just found it interesting that this guy gets fired years later and that the story around him, that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up, that the story around him is about this, this notion of, you know, it's connecting him to the Marshawn Lynch thing. Like, you know, back in 2014, he didn't do this, so... You know, they just waited, you know, four years, almost four years to fire him, you know, to get back at him for that Marshawn Lynch. That's how the story reads, and I don't like that. You know what I mean? I think if he got fired, he got fired. I mean, the team didn't make it to the playoffs, and they had an opportunity to. So, obviously, people are pissed, and this is the response that the team has decided to make. But to say, you know, but to say, hey, remember that guy that didn't hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch? Well, he just got fired four, year, four years later. You know, it must have something to do with it. There must be a connection somewhere. You know, to me, that's, that's, that's reaching a little bit here. I will say that I really, really like the billboard that you see. This is the thing. I'm always down in Orlando, but I got to start driving by UCF more often. There is a billboard, an electronic billboard 
that's up in uh, Central Florida right now, and it's so cool. Or no, I'm sorry. It's a billboard in Tuscaloosa. It's not in Central Florida. So it's in Tuscaloosa. I still would love to go by UCF because they put up their own banners as well. But Tuscaloosa is obviously, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's 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 the city in Alabama that hosts the Crimson Tide. They bought an electronic billboard that says, Congratulations, Alabama. How about a home-and-home home series with UCF? And this is a group of fans that got together to get this done. And I, I want to check the money on here because I believe it tells how much money they spent. I think the billboard cost $1,665, and they bought this billboard. That I think it was 37 fans banded together to buy a billboard to send to Alabama. So they bought a billboard, an electronic billboard in Alabama for almost $2,000 just to say to Alabama, how about you play UCF in a home-and-home home series and prove that you are the best team in football because you still haven't played us. So they're waiting for that moment, and I love it, you know. And the thing is, you know, the Central Florida has put their money where their mouth is, right? I mean, we've talked about it on the show here in recent days that even though the staff is leaving and going to Nebraska, they're going to Nebraska to make more, and they're going to make more money, most more than likely. They're making more money. Obviously, you know that Scott Frost is going to make some, some pretty good pennies, some pretty good change there. So you leave, you leave, you go over there, you're making more money, you're inside the Big Ten with Nebraska, and on top of all of that, you're getting a bonus for being national champions. So UCF is not just calling themselves national champions and not just hanging their banner. They had a parade. They did it at Disney World. Jesus knows how much that was. And then on top of all of that, they pay the bonuses to their coaches who are leaving, not to the coaches that are there. They have to pay the incoming staff and the outgoing staff and the bonus of the outgoing staff. So, you know, for me to spend all that money and throw all that money around, let me say something about the Power 5 becoming the Power 6. People talk about money. Do the schools have enough money? Well, obviously, Central Florida, in order to pay their incoming staff, pay their outgoing staff, and pay the bonuses to their outgoing staff, and buy the banner, and do the parade, and this, that, and the other thing, I would venture to say that UCF is doing pretty well monetarily. So this whole, like, could these American athletic schools even afford to be autonomous? Well, looks like UCF can. So maybe we should talk about Autonomy 6 and Power 6. I don't think it's right to be a closed group because I can argue out the Pac-12 in basketball and football on why they should be a Power 5. I can argue out the Big 12 on why they should be a Power 5. But I can argue in the American Athletics. So if I can do that, and mind you, UCF and Alabama beat the same amount of ranked teams this season. Three. Three. Okay? They did. And UCF beat Auburn, who beat Alabama. So when you break it all down and you look at it, any angle that you want to look at this thing, UCF is spending the money to prove that they're national champions. They're doing what they can by the books to show that they're doing things the right way. And Alabama, when you talk about, well, UCF is egregious for doing something like this, Alabama claimed themselves national champions for two years in history that the NCAA did not hand them a national championship and say, this belongs to you. They have 14 championships, but only 12 of them are regarded as real by the NCAA. So if that be the case, 
then they got one more fake championship than UCF, so why complain and let it be? But I agree with UCF. Alabama, if you're the best and the college football playoff won't let us play each other, then you have control over who you play in non-conference. Play us. We'll take a step aside for a fast break and come back with plenty more in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast. We're just going through the world of sports and taking a look at some of these stories that have been on my mind, you know, things I was looking up late last night that have kind of just stuck with me. And uh, one of the things that we were just talking about was UCF. And and I can really honestly, I can talk about this thing all the way to next season. UCF has done what they needed to do to prove, I mean, you're the only unbeaten team in football. You're the only one. And back in the day with the BCS, dude, they were like, okay, you're undefeated and you, and you won, and you won your game that we asked you to win. You won your bowl game and you were given a co-national champion. You became a co-national champion. You know, when we look at all these controversies of the BCS, they said the college football playoff was supposed to fix that. They were supposed to fix that. And they didn't. They didn't fix it. Because if the if the college football playoff claims that they're all-inclusive, and that everybody has an opportunity to make it, and yada, yada, yada. That's not true. It's not true. And, you know, this is something that I'm going to be passionate about, and it's not because I cover the American very closely. It's because I cover sports. And this is, you know, I'm an impartial broadcaster. So this could be UCF. This could be Boise State. This could be BYU. This could be, you know, East Bumbletucky. I don't care who it is. It has to be discussed, and it has to be, 
it has to be brought to the forefront because the the truth of the matter is that the college football playoff is regarded as a home for the SEC and the ACC to play an extra game. And then somebody else, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the Big 12, somebody to just get another crack at trying to take down Alabama. It's essentially when we want to sit here and we want to regard something as, well, this is for everybody, and this is true, and, and, and this is something that when we when you go to the website and you're seeking truth, to say it's equal opportunity, to say anybody can make it, to say this is for you, this is for me, this is for all of us, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. The college football playoff is for the SEC and the ACC, and I cover the ACC, and I, but I'm being honest with you here. I'm being honest with you here. I'm telling you the truth. Florida State, Clemson, Miami could take care of business late in the season. Those are places for you. If Notre Dame goes under, how about Notre Dame's not even a part of a conference? So where does their respect come from? Who do they play? Well, Dan, they play all different people from all different yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's fine. But they have a different schedule every season, and they don't have to play people every single year inside of a conference to try and win that side of it, to try and go to the championship game, to try and get into the college football playoff. Notre Dame has a really, 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 really good scenario. They make 100% of the money. They don't have to deal with being inside of a conference for football. So they share the money that comes from all the other sports in the ACC. So they get a piece of the pot, and then football-wise, they don't share their pot. So they got all that money plus all their other money 100%. And if they went undefeated, they'd be in the college football playoff. UCF, you told them you have to win your side of the, of the conference. Then you have to win your championship game. They did. You have to have your season be completely screwed with by a hurricane that you can't control. You have to play 11 straight weeks. You have to give up your bowl week and you have to finagle and move all types of stuff around to make sure that you can get what you need to get. They didn't play... The Notre Dame game didn't come off the schedule because they were afraid to play Notre Dame. It came off the schedule because the guys would have had one day to practice and prepare. So... Call it what it is. Call it what it is. It's a flawed system. The BCS was a flawed system, and everybody blamed it on the computer. Oh, well, you know, I'm just a human being that just types the numbers to the computer, and then the computer tells me who's going to make it. I mean, I have no control over this. And then the College Football Playoff Committee, think about how they choose who makes it. Think about how they choose who makes it. You know, when we look at the people that are on the selection committee for the college football playoff, Kirby Hocutt, chair, uh, director of athletics at Texas Tech, which is part of the Power Five. <clears throat> then you have Frank Beamer, former head coach of Virginia Tech, part of the Power Five. Jeff Bauer is also 
a part of this. And Jeff Bauer is the former head coach of the University of Southern Mississippi. So Southern Miss in Conference USA. So that's a voice outside of the Power Five, which is nice. Herb Duramity, former head coach of Central Michigan. That's out of the Power Five. That's nice. Chris Howard, President Robert Morris. That's out of it. And then Tom Jernstedt, former NCAA Executive Vice President. Bobby Johnson, former head coach of Vanderbilt. That's inside of the SEC. Jeff Long, former Director of Athletics from the University of Arkansas, SEC. Or part, yeah, the SEC. Rob Mullins, Director of Athletics, University of Oregon, Pac-12. Dan Radakovich, uh, Director of Athletics at Clemson, ACC. Geno Smith, Director of Athletics, Ohio State, Big Ten. Steve Weiberg, former college football reporter for USA Today. And then Tyrone Willingham, former head coach of three FBS institutions. So when you look at the overwhelming piece of this committee, it's outside of us discussing Chris Howard, Herb Duramity, and Jeff Bauer. Everybody else, pretty much, is connected to the Power Five. So even if these three guys said, hey, let UCF in, and you need a majority vote, look at where we sit. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to me because the MAC and the Mountain West and Conference USA and the Sun Belt and the American, they're not going to get teams in there. They're not going to get teams in there. It's not going to happen. And that is uh, that's a detriment to the system. You know, I respect each and every one of these people sitting here having this job because being on a selection committee for something like this is 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 a job that you're going to get critiqued for and not necessarily get a lot of love, if any love for. But I have to look at this committee and, and say to them, I would love to sit in a room with this committee and say, what did UCF do wrong? What is the American doing wrong? Alabama didn't have a tough schedule this season. So please describe to me what is going wrong. It's great that Alabama comes back. And it's great that Alabama does what they do and has become the team that they become under Nick Saban. It's amazing. And it's something that is for the ages. And it's something I respect. And it's one of the beauties of college football. At the same time, if the American is never going to have a team get in there, you're, the college football playoff committee is essentially a detriment to the American Athletic Conference. Because the American Athletic Conference is going to, who's been through realignment, and the threat of realignment most recently, now they have to be in another position of what if schools leave because we're not doing anything wrong, but if we're not getting the respect. And that's the thing that I brought up earlier this week on Monday when I was talking to Dan Pearson, retired sports publicist, uh, about this, this whole situation with the college football playoff and the American Athletic Conference. If the American is never going to get a shot, if the, I mean, the American just had an undefeated team win their conference championship and defeat Auburn, and this is still a team that people are like, nope, shouldn't have been in. Nope, nope, they didn't make sense. 130 schools, only one of them's undefeated at 13-0. and 0. Nope, still still regard them as lesser. If, that is, if that's the notion and that is the mindset and that is how people think, then the American is going to lose all the schools that they have right now. They've built up... A really, really nice conference with Tulsa, Tulane, Temple, SMU. You look at it like this, okay? Tulane with Willie Fritz, they're getting better. 
and he's been successful everywhere he's gone. Tulsa has had some rough patch- patches, but Philip Montgomery has done some good things in his time there. Temple lost Matt Rule, who put them on the map more so than maybe ever before. And Jeff Collins brought him back to a bowl game. SMU, in three seasons, this team looked like... I mean, some people probably didn't even know that SMU still existed. And Chad Morris put him back on the map. South Florida has been relevant for the last three, four years. Navy continues to be relevant. Even when they struggle, they're relevant. Even when Kenny Amatololo says we're not playing Navy football, you still don't want to play Navy, the best triple option in the country. Memphis under Mike Norvell and Justin Fuente before that has gotten better, and they've come onto the scene and onto the map. Houston loses Tom Herman, and Major Applewhite claws his way to some success later on in the season, and shout out to him in his first year. East Carolina, yes, they've struggled. Yes, they've had their moments, but the East Carolina Pirates, especially when you look back to the Ruffin McNeil days, this was a team that they won, I think they won eight games the year that they fired Ruffin McNeil. Eight wasn't enough. Being over 500 was not good enough. UConn under Randy Etzel is working to change the tide there. Cincinnati has a former Ohio State assistant coach. There is the head coach and Luke Fickle coming off his first season trying to change that program. And UCF, you know, undefeated. From no per- no team in the history of college football in the FBS ever, 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 no matter how many years you go back, has ever in two years gone from not winning a single game to winning every single game. From 0-12 to 13-0. and So when I look at this conference all the way through, I ask myself, what else do they need to do? And the college football playoff has to understand that not letting them into the college football playoff when they have teams like UCF that can argue their way in 19 times over, not putting them into the college football playoff is a detriment to the conference itself. And they should not have control over the future of this conference. Because if you're going to treat the American like no matter what they do, they're still the little brother, then why wouldn't UCF say, I want to go someplace else? Why wouldn't Temple say, I want to go someplace else? Why wouldn't South Florida entertain going to another conference? Why wouldn't Memphis or Houston entertain going somewhere? Why wouldn't UConn say to the ACC, let me reunite with Pittsburgh and Syracuse and Louisville and company? Why wouldn't they say that? Why wouldn't they? So it's not just UCF isn't allowed in. The bigger picture of this thing is if the college football playoff committee does not regard the American as good enough or quality enough to play in the college football playoff, especially after a year like UCF, then the college football playoff will have a direct effect in breaking up the American Athletic Conference. They will have a direct effect on realignment, and they'll have a direct effect on changing everything. And like I've said before, if there's the power five and the group of five, then I just say to you simply like this. If the American is never getting in the college football playoff, if the Conference USA and the MAC and the Mountain West and the Sun Belt are never getting into the college football playoff, then why not just separate, form your own college football playoff separately? Why not you just have, okay, so you have the college football playoff for the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the SEC, and then for the American Conference USA, the MAC, the Mountain West, and the Sun Belt, you play a separate championship series because that has some value to it and holds some weight. And if you separate that, the American easily goes to the top of that group of five. 
You have institutions like Navy that was independent for over 100 years joining the American Athletic Conference. Where's the respect for that? Where's the respect for UCF being a program that was, you know, one of those things like, oh, it's cute, you have a football team. Now they're kicking people's behinds. South Florida, who four, four five, six years ago, people were like, so okay. South Florida, yeah, okay, Dan. Yeah, okay. People go there when they don't get into Miami. You know, that's the notion. And you look at schools like Houston, you look at schools like Memphis. When was the last time that somebody was talking about Memphis football? But you can't, you can't ignore Memphis football over the last four years. And when was the last time that SMU could boast of being good and getting to a bowl game? So the American Athletic Conference is only trending up. They're only getting better. And if the college football playoff is going to block them and say, you're not good enough to be in here, then the system has already admitted that it's broken. And just say the college football playoff is for the best four teams of the Power Five. It's for the best four teams of the autonomy group. And if the autonomy group has their own college football playoff, then do you, I mean, it's just, can you take a step back and see what's happening? Like, can you just take a step back for me and see what's happening? Because it's clear. The ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, and the Pac-12 went to the NCAA. This is in my opinion. This is what I think happened behind closed doors. We know the jargon and the whatever, but this is what I think happened. They said, listen, we got the money. We got the resources to do whatever the hell we want. So you're going to let us make separate rules that put us leaps and bounds above the other conferences, or we're going to leave. NCAA, you do as you're told. The apprentice has become the teacher. I am now the sensei of this dojo. So we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to pay full cost of attendance. We're going to have these recruiting roles. We're going to have this, that, and the other. We're going to add another coach to our staff, we're going to do these things, and you're going to like it. And if you don't like it, tough nugs. Because if you piss us off, bye-bye, and we'll form our own. And then you can have whatever's left. The autonomy group... Let me just do this. And I'm on both sides of it, you know, covering so heavily the American Athletic and the ACC and respecting them both because... The ACC did everything that, that you should be doing. And the American is trying to do the same. They're trying to follow suit. They're saying, okay, the ACC, good stuff. Let's do it too. Autonomy by definition. A self-governing country or region. Freedom from external control or influence. Independence. Autonomy. That is the definition of autonomy. So the autonomous five, that is not, that is not a media term. That's a legal term. They function independently. By definition, autonomy. Freedom from external control or influence. Independence. Independence. They're functioning as a separate ship inside of a bigger boat. At any given time, they can sail off. At any given time, in my opinion, 
the ACC, the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the Big 10 can look at the NCAA and go, it's been fun. We got other places to be. We're bigger. We're better. We got the money. And you make way too much off of us. So we're going to govern ourselves. Us five conferences are going to take the five heads of our conferences. We're going to sit them on a board with maybe some former players and this, that, and whatever. And they're going to govern us. Not you. Because we're autonomous. We're free from external control or influence. The definition of the Autonomy 5 literally says we are free from the NCAA's influence. We are free from this. So can you not see the writing that is on the wall? This group of the Autonomous 5 conferences, in my opinion have made the steps to say, we'll stay inside the NCAA and we'll do this and we'll do that until we can figure out how to keep these kids amateur status without having to be under your umbrella. And then we're going to move. We're dictating to you what's going to happen. And if that's the case, if they're already functioning separately, because they are. I mean, you look at it, you look at the reality of it all. And the reality of it all is if you get if somebody comes up and says to you, you can come play for me in Alabama or you can play for Coastal Carolina, where are you going? Nine times out of ten. If somebody says you can play for Troy or Louisiana Monroe, or you can come play for Clemson or Florida State, where are you going? It's already a big discrepancy. Then you add in all the things the autonomy group can do. And that they've gotten clearance to do by the NCAA. And just the sheer mention of the Power Five. And what do kids say? I want to be part of a Power Five conference. I want to be part of the autonomy. I want to be part of the group that has a chance to play in the college football playoff. By not giving a fair shake to everybody, no matter what the college football playoff committee says, by not giving a fair shake to everybody, because you could say it till the cows come home. You could tell people not to smoke while you're lighting up. And people do that all the time. So, the fact of the matter is, until we see that the American can get in, who has the best bet, in my opinion, until we see that happen, you affect coaches because they're not going to want to stay there and not compete for a national championship. You're going to affect recruits because they're not going to want to play for a team that can't play for a national championship. So by saying that it's all-inclusive, but in actuality, it's not, you're legitimately telling coaches and players to not go to the American Athletic, to not go to Conference USA, to not go to the MAC, to not go to the Mountain West, and to not go to the Sun Belt. You're saying without saying, you could go there and you can play and have some fun, you know, make it to the NFL because the NFL looks at everybody. But you're not playing for national championships. You're not getting full cost of attendance. You're not getting this, that, and the other. And that's something that I think is wrong. And I think that that makes the system broken because essentially all you're doing is stating that 10 conferences have an opportunity when only five of them do. And I would venture to say that 100% of the time, 
unless all hell breaks loose, the ACC and the SEC will always be in the college football playoff. That's 50% already taken care of. So that's 50% done. If one spot always goes to the SEC and one spot always goes to the ACC, there's only two spots left for eight conferences. So you can call it whatever you want to call it, but if it purrs like a cat and it licks itself like a cat and it puts its tail straight up like a cat, it's cat. Right? You can tell me all day long that a football is a basketball, but it doesn't bounce the same. There's no laces on a basketball and it's not that shape. I'd rather the college football playoff committee just come out in public and say, hello, we are here for the benefit of the Power 5 Autonomous 5 group. If you would like to form another college football playoff outside of this, we will gladly oversee it and take your money, but we will never let these schools in there. And that's, but that's, and the thing is, the travesty of it all is every single season I watch coaches leave the American. It's a, it, it, it's a detriment to the American because the American selling itself as a destination, not part of the journey. They're selling itself as like, come retire here. Come be here for the next 10 to 12 to 14 years and build this program up and then retire and have a big smile on your face. And the college football playoff is inadvertently saying, don't go to the American. If you want to play here, don't go to the American. Go there for like two years and then take a job in a conference that we actually regard as good enough. Somebody that we actually value. If the college football playoff does not value half of the conferences that are into Division One A FBS, then why even call it a fair playoff? Why say that anybody can make it? Just state the obvious fact. If you're not within these, it's kind of like in school, you know? If you don't have these last names, you're never making the basketball team. That happens. If your father and your father's father didn't go here, well, guess what? You're not going to be the president of the student body. Because we're all about nepotism. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that's that's the tough, tough shake of this thing. Is that no matter how we slice it or how we look at it, how do you go? F- how do you, as a coach inside the American Athletic Conference, look at UCF and everything they did, and think for a half of a millisecond that if you do the same thing or better, that it's not going to happen to you too? They're going to say, "Great job, coach such and such," but you still stu- you still suck in our eyes. You did a phenomenal job, and if you did that in Oklahoma, you'd be in the college football playoff. If you did that in Oregon, you'd be here in the college football playoff. You did if you did that. Even in Kentucky, for goodness sakes, it's in the SEC, you'd be in the college football playoff. But you did it for a little old rinky-dink, blah, 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 and you're not in it. If these conferences are so inferior, if they're so terrible, if there is no value in them whatsoever, then play them and prove it. Auburn played UCF, whatever, and what did people say when UCF lost? What did some people say that they get paid to do what I do for a living? What did they say? Auburn didn't try. Auburn didn't want to win the game. Auburn was just there for fun. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm sure that Auburn packed up their suitcases, put on their jerseys, trained for a month so that they could go to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl 
and mail it in. I'm sure. I, you know, when I go back and look at the film, all that they didn't have enough men on the field. There were guys that were eating hot dogs during the game. People were just like slowing down in place. Give me, yeah, give me a break. When the underdog wins, it's because the big dog was tired. When the big dog wins, it's because the underdog's a piece of garbage. Ain't that a B? Ain't that a B? Man. It must be nice to live in a world where you can lie to yourself in the mirror every single day and believe that it's truth. But the fact of the matter is, until things are done in fairness, until the American gets the same opportunities as the ACC and Conference USA, if they were to do something huge, could get an opportunity opportunity like the Big 12, then what are we saying? What are we saying? Alabama's always going to be in this damn thing. They're always going to be there. If they win every game, lose one game, or lose two games, they're going to be in the college football playoff. Alabama knows every year they got a buffer. They got a buffer. Their schedule this season was no better than UCF. Three ranked teams. That's all it was. Three ranked teams. Okay? That's it. Three ranked teams. And UCF had to play one of them twice in Memphis. Alabama didn't get to do that. They didn't get to play somebody twice. It's it's so funny to me. And UCF beat Auburn in regulation outright. Alabama had to change their quarterback, go to overtime to beat Georgia. And both of those teams were beat by Auburn, who UCF defeated. So, I mean, you can say that I'm banging my drum for UCF and I'm banging my head against a wall and this, that, and the other. But you know that for all the time that I've ever broadcasted, for almost 15 years now, my job, in my mind, in my heart, and in my soul, my existence on the airwaves is to tell the truth and when something's not right, to respectfully disagree with it and ask for change. Positive change. Always positive change. Never negative change. Negative change doesn't do anything good for anybody. Always a positive change. I'm not saying... Take the SEC out. Take the ACC out. Take the Big 12 out. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying if you invited these five people to the party and you say, well, they all sing well, they're all going to sing karaoke. It's like inviting Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Let me do this right. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Maya, and Alicia Keys, but not inviting... Adele. Right? Well, Britney Spears doesn't really sing, Dan, but she sells tickets. Okay. Well, Christina Aguilera, she's pretty good. Okay. Well, Maya, she hasn't been around in a while, but, you know, she's still a part of this girl group. Part of the, you know, the old the old club. Okay. Okay. Alicia Keys, well, Dan, I mean, come on. It's Alicia Keys. What about Adele? Eh, didn't really fit in with the girls. Pretty good singer. She just doesn't make sense with the rest of the people. Why not? That's how the American is right now. Why don't they make sense? They just don't. That's not a reason. That's not a reason. Well, they weren't part of the Autonomous Five in the beginning, so they'll never be a part of the Autonomous Five, Dan, because if you're not a part of my club, it's literally like being in a treehouse of a bunch of kids that went to a rich prep school. Robert, 
Stephen, and James are all in my treehouse. If your name is not Robert, Steve, or James, and you're not here in my treehouse and have been here for the last three years, you are not invited to my treehouse. I don't care how much money your mommy and daddy have. I don't care how many cars you have. I don't care how good of a student you are. I don't care if you're the valedictorian or the head of the basketball team. I have chosen my favorites, and I will never change my mind. That is how this feels. It feels like an old dusty room of people that have all and the thing is that's all you got i'm not inviting you know what everyone that's been living on my block they come to my christmas party <laughs> you know and the people that just moved across the street i don't know who they are they look kind of dirty you know they have kids running around <laughs> they'll never come to my party and They'll never be a part of this club, and hopefully within the next two years they put their house up for sale because nobody's going over there for dinner, and we're not giving them a strawberry rhubarb pie when we do our bake-off. Every house gets one, but not the Smith house because we just don't like newbies. That's how this feels. That is how this feels. You weren't my friend in grammar school, so you can't be my friend now. I got it. Did you ever hear somebody say that? I got enough friends. I got enough friends. I don't need any more. I've heard people say, I don't want any, I don't want any new people in my life. I don't want any new people. I can't deal with new people. I don't want to break them in. I don't want to talk to them. Who are you? Was this the king and I? I don't want any new people in my life. Who says that? I just want these old people, you know, just whoever's been here, you can be my friend. But once I hit the ripe age of 37, I was like, mm, I don't need anybody new in my life. I mean, that's, that is how this thing feels. Tell me what the Americans doing wrong in basketball, football. Tell me. If these are your two dominant sports and dominant sellers, tell me what they're doing wrong. They brought in Wichita State. Hello? Wichita State ranked in the top 25. Houston has been ranked. Cincinnati. Let's go to it right now. Let's just do this for right now. Let's just, not for fun. Let's just do it right now. We'll go right now. Let's go. Let's go to the ranking of college basketball right now. Just for fun. Let's just go in. We'll see what's, we'll see what's going on. Top 25. Wichita State is a member of the American Athletic Conference, correct? They are ranked fifth in the country right now. Cincinnati, 14th in the country. Both of these teams are in the American Athletic Conference. So I'm just, I mean, I'm just kind of spitballing here. I'm just kind of wondering, you know, like what's going on here because, I mean, these two teams are from the American, you know, and they're not invited to my party, but... They're above Arizona, the Pac-12. They're above Miami, the ACC. Clemson, the ACC. They're above North Carolina, the ACC. They're above Kentucky, the SEC. They're above Auburn, of the SEC. They're above Florida State, of the ACC. They're above Tennessee, the SEC. So I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to like understand what's going on here. Because Wichita State and Cincinnati are both ranked from the American Athletic. And they're ranked higher than Gonzaga, who just went to a national championship. 
TCU, Arizona, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, Kentucky, Auburn, Florida State, Tennessee, and Creighton. They're above Notre Dame, who isn't in the voting, Florida, who isn't in the voting, Texas A&M, Ohio State, all who receive votes, Michigan, who receive votes. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. I'm just curious. And that's in the AP, in the USA Today coaches poll, Wichita is still number five, and Cincinnati's one step higher. They're 13th instead of 14th. I'm just so I'm just I'm just kind of again I'm I'm spit I'm just spitballing right I'm just wondering if it's such a bad conference how come they're ranked in the top 25 in the nation out of 351 schools in Division One men's basketball if they're so bad and I'm just wondering you know football wise in the final rankings UCF is ranked sixth and the only team besides Alabama who received First place votes. The only team in the AP that received first place votes besides Alabama in the final poll after Alabama won the national championship in the college football playoff. Georgia didn't receive any. Oklahoma, Clemson, nobody except for UCF and Alabama. UCF received four votes, Alabama 57. And people say, well, who cares, Dan? It was 57 to four because UCF received votes and Georgia didn't. And Georgia deservedly should have gotten one or two. They lost to Alabama, but holy shnikes, this team has played well. And Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn all beat up on each other this year, and UCF has not lost a game. I can't restate it enough. In the final top 25 in the AP, and the final top 25 in the coaches poll, there were three teams in the American Athletic Conference ranked in the final top 25. In the AP, UCF was 6th. South Florida was 21, Memphis was 25. In the coaches poll, Central Florida, UCF, was 7th. South Florida was 21, Memphis was 24. Top 25 out of 130. And then when people say, well, Dan, you know, they were they were ranked lower than da-da-da, lower than da-da-da, da-da. I don't care. Three teams ranked in the top. There's 12 teams in the conference. That means a fourth, a quarter of the conference is ranked in the top 25. It's pretty damn good. Where's the Sun Belt in this? Where's the Mountain West in this? There's the Power Five, Big 12, Big 10, ACC, SEC, Pac-12. And then there's the American Athletic, who's literally in limbo in between. And then there's the rest of the group of five. I don't put the American Athletic with the rest of the group of five because show me the rest of the group of five. Show me those conferences. Show me the Sun Belt, the Mountain West, the MAC, Conference USA. Show me all them inside of the final top 25. Show me any of them that have three representatives. They don't. Alabama, SEC, Georgia, SEC, Oklahoma, Big 12, Clemson, ACC, Ohio State, Big 10, Wisconsin, Big 10, Penn State, Big 10, TCU, Big 12. Auburn, SEC, Notre Dame, Independent, USC, Pac-12, Miami, ACC, Oklahoma State, Big 12, Michigan State, Big 10, Washington, Pac-12, Northwestern, Big 10, LSU, SEC, Mississippi State, SEC, Stanford, Pac-12, Boise State, the Mountain West, the only one. NC State, ACC, Virginia Tech, ACC. So the American Athletic Conference has three teams ranked in the final 
top 25 for college football for the 2017-18 season in the AP and in the coaches poll. The Sun Belt has none. The Mountain West has one. The MAC has none. And Conference USA has none. And yet you're trying to say the Americans more like the group of five than the power five? Yet the statistics and the fa- the facts states that they are more the power five than the group of five. Yet people want to argue that no, 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 Dan, you got it wrong. How? It amazes me that in this world in 2018, God hope this is a better year and a different year. Because in 2017, I cannot tell you how many people in recent history have come up to me and made a hypothesis about something and then backed it up with non-factual information. And then when you throw facts back to them, they're like, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. Nope. Didn't happen. One plus one will always equal two. But yet we talk to people in this day and age in America where one plus one could equal two, it could equal 14, it could equal negative five, it could equal something different every day. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. No sense. So a deeper look at a trending topic, factual information. We have a president that says fake news and people and people laugh, to, laugh it off. Yet... There's a lot of fake news in America, whether you like Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or whoever, Rand Paul, Bob Dole, Billy Bob Thornton, George and the Jeffersons. I I have no idea, whoever you like, but whoever it is, you cannot honestly have an argument with a person who actually gives a damn about their existence and have non-factual information substantiate a factual conversation. Dan, the Browns are better than the Jaguars this season. Why? The Browns are 0-16. Yeah, but, no, they're 0-16. They're not in the playoffs. They have the number one pick. Congratulations. They'll probably... God only knows it's going to happen, okay? Not going to wish bad on the Brownies. I want the Browns to do well. I've wanted them to do well since 1999. I have nothing against the Browns whatsoever. But you can't come into an argument to me. You can't come into an argument with me and say the Dallas Cowboys should be in the Super Bowl right now. Knowing the hell they shouldn't. Factual information. Ezekiel Elliott took a hold of that team, a chokehold of that team, because he was selfish. And it screwed him over. Dak Prescott had a bad year. The team could not get comfortable. The environment around that team was not good from the beginning with Ezekiel Elliott. It was a detriment to the team from the beginning. Philadelphia, on top of all that, played better this year. Washington was still a pain in the butt because Kirk Cousins is worth paying. The only team that you can hope to, to the good Lord Jesus to beat in the NFC East was the Giants because they beat the hell out of themselves. The Giants punched themselves in the face more than anybody else did. The Cowboys had an off year. And a lot of it, in my opinion, had to do with the constant tussle and fighting with the NFL during the season. That's stuff you take care of before the season or after the season. You don't do that garbage in the middle of the season. Okay? The only team that can pull that off is the Patriots. You don't do that stuff in the middle of the season. Because it's a distraction. And people don't need that. So you can't come in a conversation with me. Well, you can. 
But I'm not going to sit there and go back and forth with you if you tell me the Dallas Cowboys should be in the Super Bowl right now. There's no factual evidence to substantiate that. None. There's factual evidence to state that Case Keenum should be the starter in Minnesota next year. There's factual evidence to substantiate that Nick Foles won't blow this game for Philadelphia like a bunch of Philly fans think is going to happen. So, the fact of the matter is, a deeper look at a trending topic, is that if you're going to have a discussion with another human being about something that is important to you and you want to substantiate it, then just make sense. Like, make actual sense when you're talking. Deeper look at a trending topic. I look at all these trending topics on Twitter all the time, and I say to myself, people have arguments these days where, and this is the irony of it, the person that cannot substantiate anything that they're saying will tell the person who has factual information on the other side of them that they're wrong and they're stupid and they should shut up and nothing that they're saying is real. People who cannot back something. You ever get in an argument with somebody who can't back up what they're talking about? And they just shout? They just yell? They swear at you? They have like literally nothing to give to the comment. Oh yeah, you know what? F you. Thank you. People that you go back and forth with and then you get to that point where they have nothing else to say and they can't back up anything that they're saying. So they're just like, you know what? We don't need to be friends. You know what? I'm out of this conversation. You know what? Click. Click. I'm going to cut this conversation off and take away your right to speak to me. A deeper look at a trending topic. As much as we joke about fake news, there is fake news. People in com- people give us fake news every day. Fake news every day. Do you ever be in a conversation with somebody where you do your research and you know exactly what's going on? And they tell you, no, it's not. And we're smarter than you, this and that. How about this? How about this is fun. There was a Facebook summit. There was a Facebook summit. Not going to say where it was. There was a Facebook summit. And I spoke to a business owner. And they said to me, we were told that for every $500 we put into advertising a month, we'll make back $3,000 or it's not worth doing. For every $500 you spend, you should make six times that every single month or don't advertise. That is so egregiously stupid and ignorant and insane that I can't even find adequate words. It's almost like you want to go up to the person that said it and slap him in the mouth and go, no, no. Just walk up to him and be like, you know what you did. And they have no idea who you are. You're a total stranger. People will say things with no substantial evidence. And then other people will join the conversation with substantial evidence. And they'll go, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. Of course you don't want to hear that because it's real. (laughs) I don't want to hear that because it's real. When somebody tells me, I love to eat couches, they taste good. You should eat them too. They're good for your hygiene. They help your digestive tract. No, they don't. Yes, they do, Dan. 
no, you should eat fruits and vegetables. Dan, I don't want to hear that. Okay. I don't want to hear that. Okay. It doesn't work. Okay. Couches are the way to go. Cut a little piece, put some pepper on it. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't have to do that. You're hundred percent wrong, but there are some people in this world that'll go, maybe I should eat a couch. Never tried it before. I've tried fruits and vegetables. I still weigh 300 pounds. Maybe if I eat this couch, I won't weigh 300 pounds. I won't be able to sit on the couch, so maybe that'll help me out too. I'll eat the couch so I can't sit on the couch, so then I have to walk around, so then I burn calories, and I'm eating a healthy couch. People will do that. They will run around the whole conversation and justify, like I just did, ad-libbing. They will justify insane information. So a deeper look at a trending topic is to actually fact check information that you're getting. And before you justify it and substantiate it, make sure that you have reasons for that. Because coming off of the college football playoff conversation, you cannot justify or substantiate that the American Athletic Conference is more so a group of five than a power five conference. Everything that is real factual information, wins and losses, rankings, yada, yada, state bowl games, they stand against everything that's being said about the American not being a part of the Power Five. So if you want to substantiate something in reality, you have to be realistic. So when the college football playoff committee can be realistic, then I can stand back here and say the top four teams that made it were supposed to make it. What are people going to say? Well, Dan, Alabama made it, and they were the fourth spot, and look at they won. So look at what they've done. That's great. That's wonderful. But UCF still deserved a crack at it. And I would love to see UCF play Alabama. I would love it. Hopefully we get to someday. If Alabama's that much better, prove it. I don't want to be the guy that's playing on the basketball court and there's that guy standing in the corner going, I could beat everybody on that court right now. And then you're like, well, come out and play. Nah, man, my knees aren't good today. Okay. So, if you can win, prove it. Prove it. All UCF is asking for is a chance. They're not guaranteeing a victory. They're guaranteeing that they're going to be a little bit tougher than just stepping over a little tiny stone or an ant. They're treated like ants They play like elephants. So let them play the Crimson Tide. That is today's show here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. I look forward to seeing you tonight at game show night, this Thursday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. at Muddy Waters. Make sure you call 315-635-8500 to reserve seating for your team. It is free to play, Pictionary and Family Feud together in one game. It's to see what that's all about. Come see us tonight on Thursday, January 11th at 7 p.m. at Muddy Waters. God bless. Have a great day, and I'll talk with you Friday morning.